hey. Welcome to Renegade Fantasy Sports NRL Fantasy Podcast, The Rundown, with me, the Defensive Center. You can find me on Twitter at Defensive Center. On this weekly podcast, I'll cover all of the latest NRL news and developments relevant to your NRL fantasy team. Plus, I'll give you all the highlights from www.renegadesfs.com, which is where you can get all of your NRL fantasy analysis. The next 15 minutes are meant for all of us who just haven't got time for Dez's shit. First up, a little update on my team. Like a lot of teams last week, I had uh, the biggest, my biggest score of the season, posting 905. Um, I picked up only 16 uh, spots in the rankings, and I'm currently sitting at 1,175th, so pretty happy with that. Uh, this week, I'm desperately seeking and failing to find some cash outs uh, or potential new cash cows to keep developing my squad, and with the buyers looming, I'm going to be trying to target some key players from buy-friendly teams. So uh, a little more on buy-planning later on. So first up, let's jump into all the fallout from round seven and what to look out for in round eight. Injury and teamless news. First game of the round uh, on Friday night is Raiders versus Sea Eagles. So the Raiders are unchanged. And while the Sea Eagles get to power back, um, this pushes Fanoa Blake to the bench and Parrott is out with an injury. Uh, for the Rabbits versus the Broncos, which is the other Friday night game, the Rabbits have a few changes since the team lists were announced on Tuesday, so uh, just listen up. Adam Reynolds is now out with a hip injury. Uh, it's not entirely clear how long he will be out for. It's pretty frustrating for a lot of people who might have brought him in recently with a pretty decent buy schedule, assuming he doesn't play Origin. Um, Sutton pushes into the halves. Turner goes back to the back row where he normally plays. He's been playing at prop lately. George Burgess now starts in at prop, and uh, he's at a pretty tasty price. So I think a few people will be watching him closely this week, uh, in particular his minutes. Heimel Hunt is now back into the team, pushing Burns out, and there's a little bit of a change up there in uh, the back, so just pay attention to that. For the Bronx, Kahu is out. Uh, he's been struggling with a groin injury. He's been replaced by Mead on the wing, and uh, Pearson now comes into the bench uh, to play that sort of weird back utility role that Bennett seems pretty um, favorable towards. Uh, Pangai Jr. is also out. He has a tendon uh, tendon damage, I think, in his hand. Uh, he's now going to be out for, I think, somewhere close to eight weeks, and Offenhengawi replaces him on the bench. I was personally hoping George Fire would come in, uh, who'd be a basement price cash out. But sadly, he is still on the extended bench. So for Eels versus Panthers, uh, there's been one change for the Eels. Terrapo is replaced by Edwards on the bench. For the Panthers, there's no changes to the 17, uh, even though they got absolutely pumped by the Sharks last week. Harawira, uh, Naira, and Cartwright, though, are on the extended bench. Fisher-Harris has been named in the back row, and uh, he has some pretty serious doubts over his fitness. So one would expect one of those players to come in, potentially. Uh, Cartwright obviously coming back from an injury, so they'll be pretty keen to get him back in and boost their attacking stocks. Uh, Cowboys versus Knights. There's one change for the Cows. Uh, Winterstein is back from injury. He replaces Geller Mosby. Hampton, unfortunately for a lot of people, stays on the bench after his last-minute replacement in the starting team by Asiata before the game last week. Uh, it's pretty unlucky if you picked him up. 
Um, it looks like Hampton's going to be staying in that utility role, uh, even though Asiata um, is a forward. He did play really, really well in the halves last week, so he looks to have locked that position down until Thurston comes back for the Knights. Wardell is out with an injury and is replaced by Sam Stone. That brings Tupo onto the bench. Uh, the latest rumour also going around is that Hodkinson is going to be dropped and uh, that Feeney is, with Feeney on the extended bench at the moment, you would assume that if that happens, that Feeney comes in and gets a role. So um, keep an eye on that. Depending on whether or not Hodkinson has been dropped or uh, pushed out through injury or something like that, Feeney could potentially be that cash out in the halves some of us are looking for. Uh, Sharks versus Titans. The Sharks are unchanged, uh, unsurprisingly, after their form lately. For the Titans, the big news is that the that Hayne has been added to the extended bench and is apparently training well. I think he has to pass two training sessions to be considered fit for this game. So there's a reasonably strong chance of him playing. Hurrell and Proctor are also named on the extended bench and are in a similar position with a good chance of uh, coming into the into the team on match day. Uh, Max King is out with injury, so Greenwood comes under the bench. Um, but with so many big players on the extended bench, um, it's really hard to say what that final uh, team is going to look like on game day. Tigers versus Bulldogs. Idris is out. He got a hamstring injury really late in uh, the game last week. Um, that's going to leave a lot of us a bit short at centre. Myself, uh, I myself am in that same position. Cam comes in to centre for him. Um, there is some possible good news if you're short in the back. Suli has moved uh, into centre from the wing, and that pushes Naguama out to the wing. Uh, Edwards is in on the bench, and Brooks is also on the extended bench. So um, so he's a chance of coming back in too. I don't know why I'm going to bother telling you what uh, Dez has done with the Bulldogs. Um, he doesn't seem to give enough of a fuck about any of us to actually name the team that he will actually play on game day. So as usual, Frawley is on an extended bench, uh, but there's a fairly good chance that, like every other week, he'll come into the 17 on the bench on game day, um, possibly coming into half after 25-odd minutes and pushing uh, Leechka back onto the bench um, and uh, Moses Mbai pushing into hooker. Uh, Clammer is back at lock and Elliot is onto the bench. For the Roosters versus Dragons, for the Roosters, friend starts. He was uh, a last minute. Um, he was demoted to the bench at the last minute last week. Uh, Madison is out with a long term injury, replaced by Kane Evans. Latrell is not back into the seventeen. He is still being quote unquote rested um, or dropped on form, whatever way you want to look at it. Dugan is back for the Dragons, which pushes Nightingale back to the wing and Man to the bench. For Storm versus Warriors. Last game of the round. Chambers is back for the Storm, and this pushes young Tonomapea out. Jax is still named to start with Munster on the bench, um, but with this game being the last game of the round, I wouldn't be betting on Jax actually uh, keeping that spot, and in any case, it's not even clear if you'll play 80 minutes. No changes uh, for the Warriors, but there is a possible uh, return of Ben Madalino, who's on the extended bench. So the really big issue of this week is the total lack of cash outs and cash cows. Um, sadly, as a result, everyone is talking about Cody Nikarima. So last week he was named to replace Ben Hunt as the starting half for the Broncos. Um, Hunt is out for somewhere in the order of eight weeks. And 
with Nikarima priced at $208,000 at the time, um, but with a break-even in the 30s. He had a few people interested, but a lot of people just wanted to wait a week and see how he goes, thinking that scoring something above the mid-30s was unlikely. And then we all sat around and watched him pump out 66 points. Um, so he's now priced at $231,000. He has a break-even of, of two, which means he's going to start shooting up in price pretty quickly. So now he's getting a lot more interest and a lot more people are talking about him. Um, he's also a reasonable chance of playing in that first buy, which the Broncos play. Hunt is unlikely to be back by then, but you never know. Uh, he did score a try in that 66, um, but it was probably only worth 21 or 24 points, depending on how the tackle breaks get counted up. So that still places his score somewhere in the 40s. Um, that was with only one point from kick meters. And he made no negative plays in that 80 minutes, which is pretty impressive. In the week before, he made minus four in missed tackles, in uh, minus four points, that is, in missed tackles in the 30 minutes he was on the field. So in this game, he made 25 tackles against the Titans. Um, so he, they were running a fair bit of traffic his way. He did a really good job to contain that and not concede any missed tackles. I think he was getting a lot of help by Matt Gillett, which is great. Um, I would expect that he'll keep getting a lot of traffic going his way. He's a small bloke, he's a half, um, and smart teams run edge back rowers at those players. So I'd be predicting his missed tackles will go up. It's unlikely he's going to go with uh, zero um, minus points um, or errors in his game from week to week. He might pick up more kick meters. Um, the Titans game was very end-to-end. So Macca only kicked for 68 metres and Milford for 178. So overall, the whole team really didn't kick a lot. Um, and I'd expect that to increase for the entire team against better opponents. It's just about how those kick metres break down. It's obvious that Milford looks like the primary kicker now. So um, it's hard to see Cody picking up the sort of kick metres that um, Ben Hunt was. So what's the take-home message from all of that? Well, it's... A pretty small sample size, one game. Uh, it's, it's really hard to get a read on players in situations like this. Um, my gut instinct last week, and it's still the same, is that he's likely to be a sort of mid-30s kind of player. Um, frustratingly, he will probably pump out those occasional 20s when he gets a whole bunch of errors uh, against his name. So that could be pretty tough if you have to run him in your 17. Uh, for me, he's a, he's tempting. Um what I'm thinking about possibly doing is uh, trading Lamb out to Nikarima, um, taking that $78,000 that is the difference, and then uh, banking that to use next week to upgrade another position. Um, I'm not going to lose any points on that position. Lamb's averaging uh, 35 at the moment, and I expect Cody to do something sort of similar. And so Cody will accumulate more money. I can bank that 78000 and use it elsewhere. I mean, that's how I feel right at the moment um, after a few a few drinks on a Thursday night, but uh, who knows how I'll feel tomorrow. The other player everyone's talking about at the moment is uh, Matt Frawley, who keeps on being named on the bench for the Bulldogs. Uh, last week, he scored a pretty terrible 10 points in 54 minutes of game time. Um, I think after seeing that and seeing what he's, um, you know, what potential he has to score, uh, even even with 54 minutes, which is almost three quarters of the game, only managing 10 points, I think puts him into the to the category of terrible fantasy scorers. Um, 
The 39 he scored the week before included a try and some attacking stats. And the 45 points he scored in round five came on the back of an 80-minute game. But more importantly, a very different team configuration. So I think with this current setup with, that Dez has running with pushing Moses and Bai to the hooking role after about 25 minutes and bringing Frawley on in at halfback isn't going to free up Frawley to be a good fantasy scorer. And so even if he's named... Uh, to start, as uh, we expect some of, or some of us expect that he will in the next few weeks, I'm not convinced he'll be a particularly good fantasy scorer. So I wouldn't be wasting the trade bringing him in at this point. So moving on now to uh, what's going on on the Renegades website. Uh, it's been a pretty quiet week for articles. There hasn't been a lot of uh, well, there's been no fluke or for reals because, quite frankly. There haven't been a lot of interesting prospects jumping up on people's radars. Uh, the break-evens are obviously up there as usual. Uh, unfortunately, it makes a pretty grim reading. There's not a lot of uh, exciting, uh, excitingly low break-evens out there. Uh, Pimp My Team is up, uh, helping out a bloke who's got a fairly good-looking team, um, as far as I can tell. Uh, but not a lot of cash available to improve his squad. So some strategic advice there from some of the good coaches about how to uh, build that team moving into the buys. Scarfy scraps and all the game reviews are obviously there if you missed uh, the previous round. And obviously the bosses article is up and also the celebrities article, which follows a bunch of the celebrity teams and some of the more notice, notable people from Renegades uh, and how they're uh, making trades and moving uh, through the rounds at the moment. So I just wanted to finish uh, up with a bit of a brief chat about buy planning, which I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, but I thought I'd give a bit more detail considering it's been a pretty quiet week and not a lot to discuss. So I think the first thing you need to do when you're buy planning is to work out how many players you've got playing for each of the buy rounds. And the buy rounds are from round 12 to 19. So the best way to do that is to download the buy planner, which you can get from www.renegadesfs.com. It's just a spreadsheet that you can plug your team into. There's a bunch of really cool tools there if you want to get quite complicated and nerdy and right into it. But the simple tool is the first page where you enter your team and their likely origin availability. You also need to think about whether they're likely to even be playing at that point of the year. So for example, I'm not going to be counting Abby, who I think might be done for the year um, unless there's some other changes to that squad. There's no point lying to yourself about who's going to be playing Origin or who's likely to be playing. You really need a realistic gauge. I kind of err on the side of caution. I basically, if someone I think is on the edge of Origin selection, I assume they'll be picked. Basically, when the worst thing that can possibly happen to your team in fantasy is, uh, you know, it'll happen, basically. So whatever that is, that's what's going to happen. So if you've got BJ Lailua, he's going to play Origin. Just assume it. So once you count up the numbers from round 12 to 19, the first thing that you're probably going to notice is that you're going to be short on the major buy rounds, which are rounds 12, 15, and 18. There's a lot of teams out. These are also the rounds where the Origin players are unavailable. So for me, I have 7, 10, and 8 in each of these rounds, which is pretty terrible. I've seen a lot of guys out there talking about having sort of 13 and 14 for each of those rounds, so I'm in a pretty poor position. So then the next thing to do is to look at your 
minor buy rounds. You'll probably notice if you're in a situation like me that they are going to be greater than 17. So you've got a surplus of players. For me, I've got 19, 20, and 19 in rounds 13, 16, and 19. So what I need to do is to even those numbers out across those rounds. So by trading players available in the minor buy rounds to those that are available in the major buy rounds, what I'll end up doing is maximizing my depth across that entire period. Because basically, in those minor buy rounds, I have two to three players per round that are contributing no scores, no points to my overall team scores. Whereas if I shift them across to those rounds where I'm short, they're going to be contributing. So this maximizes my depth across the entire period. So for example, players from Manly, like Sirenen and Kelly, which a lot of us would have, are going to miss the first two buy rounds. They're also probably not in my best 17, although I'm running Sirenen at the moment. So moving them on for Eels and Rabbitohs is going to give me extra players in the major buy rounds, and it's not going to cost my minor buy round depth because they're unlikely to have been in my preferred 17 anyway. The other thing that you're going to notice is that any unavailable players, so for example, I still have Field and Abby, as I mentioned earlier, these guys are going to really reduce your roster depth. So it may not seem like it matters now when you've got uh, you know, 23, 24, 25 players available, but a red dot is really going to hurt you over the buys because that's going to uh, minimize your ability to push towards 17 per round for each of those buy rounds. So you should be looking to turn them into players that are actually going to start playing soon. Um, and that's going to make a big difference. And so once you start playing around with that, the thing you'll really notice is that buy planning is largely about manipulating the bottom end of your roster to maximize squad depth across the entire period. It's not about sideways trading guns. It's about squad depth and largely the bottom, middle and bottom ends of your squad. So that's it for me today. Sit tight, set your lineup, and Captain Smith. See ya.